Hi, and welcome to the How Not to Think podcast. Today, I'm delighted to have with me uh, Carrie Leaf, who is an integrative holistic healer, uh, looking at all aspects of the mind, body, and spirit, and uh, also has a book out called Therapize Yourself, Choose to Heal and Find Your Truth. All this will be in the notes, but Let's not waste any more time and let's get right to it. Carrie, thank you so much for being on the show. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah, it's going to be a great conversation about holistic healing and mental health. And we might need two shows. But anyway, (laughs) um, first of all, tell the listeners a little bit about how you got to be where you are right now. Yeah, well, that's, that goes back a long way. So, you know, I I won't bore everyone with all the details, but I I've known I'd be in, in the, in the helping field, the mental health field since middle school. Um, I grew up with that influence, my dad as a high school counselor. Um, and then they, they, my parents forced me into my own therapy when I was younger, even when I was quite resistant, but that was a pivoting point because I took so much more out from it than I expected. Um, yeah. And then moving forward, I, I ended up in a marriage and family master's program where, um, systems theory is, is really central to that. And that has just also been very pivotal and, and the importance of looking at the big picture and how everything is interconnected and, you know, you know, how one thing affects the next constantly is, you know, swirling around my brain, looking at all the pieces to the puzzle and, and not separating them, seeing how they interconnect. Um, and then, you know, through practice then, you know, over a decade of, of practicing, then it's kind of, I've been in a lot of different settings and I've kind of niched down to, um, really making my practice being central to being holistic and integrative and, um, and, and taking that approach with everybody that I work with, no matter, no matter what they're coming in for. And then also delving in specifically to mindset and our belief systems and, and, and the, what we've, you know, clearing out the negative ones that we've developed and reprocessing those and replacing with the positive belief systems. Yeah, no, and that's awesome. And I really endorse that approach. Um, I I think, you know, a a sort of reductionist step-by-step looking at each variable approach is okay in the beginning, but we certainly have enough information about that now. And you simply cannot, I don't think very effectively, divided up over this this one factor you can't everything interconnects and affects it uh and if you ignore that which you know to be honest certainly during my days of practicing um that was ignored it was a very simple you know as a psychologist very behavioral approach oh you know there's this cue and it leads to this behavior and, and And there were people then who were sort of attacking it. And I thought, well, they don't get it. But, you know, 30 (laughs) years later, they did get it. It's not that simple. And uh, if you really want to help people transform, you have to go into all of these things. Yes, every single one, you know, I, I kind of look at it to, to simplify it a little bit, we can we can make a lot of progress, say in one, let's say we're working on anxiety, and we can make some some 
um, progress and anxiety for just focusing on that. But if every single day you're drinking 12 Mountain Dews and getting fast food burgers every single day, our progress is limited because those foods are affecting a crash and burn with the sugars. They're altering your mood. They're altering your sleep. We are not functioning our best. So, you know, you can say, yep, I'm working on my anxiety and I'm working hard and that's fantastic but you won't get where you want to go without looking at every aspect, every angle. Yes. And, and as somebody who, you know, was in the behavior change field um, where the evidence, you know, was, and maybe still is that most people don't, you know, they make sort of half-hearted attempts rather than a holistic approach. That's why it doesn't work. You know, if you say, oh, well, I want to lose weight. So what I'm going to do is I'm not going to eat so much sugar. Yeah, no, that's part of it, but it's not going to do it on its own. It just isn't, right? Right, right. And we're in that season of New Year's resolutions, right? And I think I read somewhere where this is, this is we're right about the point where everyone's giving up and, and defaulting back, right? Yeah, they're defaulting yeah. back to their, the ways that they're wired because insight alone does not change behavior. No, you know, no. And um, a couple of colleagues of mine or friends of mine, um, Harold Stolovich and Erica Keeps wrote a good book about 10 years ago called Telling Ain't Training. And, you know, it's a, it's a great title. And it's true. Just telling somebody is not, you know, it might raise their level of awareness, which is an important step. But just telling somebody, oh, well, you need to eat less or you need to eat more of this it's got to be more sophisticated than that. It's much, much more complicated. And the problem with it is that model makes people feel they are helpless or they're not very good at it. It's just, yes. and that's unfortunate side effect of that. Yes, because when then we get in that cycle of beating ourselves up and I'm failing and what's the point and we just cycle down even further and that's so harmful when really what we're trying to do is drive our behaviors with our conscious thoughts when actually it's our subconscious thoughts are, that are driving us more right, so. And exactly. We're set up, we're setting ourselves up for failure and then snowballing that defeat, right? Oh, absolutely. And as I look back on, you know, a career in, in psychology and therapy and doing that, you know, um, some of the approaches, um, some of the, some, not all of the cognitive behavioral approaches of, of trying to tell people they're making mistakes, people aren't logical. So why would you use a logical approach to change them? That's not going to change them. You know, and and I was 20 years into my career till I realized, you know what, I'm trying to get people to change. Nobody has taught me effective communication skills to do that and to talk yeah. about more things. Right? Yeah. Um, and so, you know, it's easy for me who can be cynical at the best of times to look at that and say, we still got a lot of work to do. And it certainly needs to go in the holistic direction. Yes. And, and kind of along those lines, I, I think about my own training, which I was really grateful for. I ended up with, you know, a couple of really great programs. And I, like I said, I'm really attached to that systems theory, but I, I look back and I'm like, why, why didn't I learn 
you know, how to get people to feel in their body and, and integrate, you know, where they're feeling it in their, their body and their heart. And, you know, that none of that was taught. And when I see how powerful it is, Mm -hmm. when I can get clients there, when they're ready and, and willing to go there, you know, that's game changing. And, and it's too bad that so many of these areas are, you know, it's so separated that you're going to, you know, maybe a, a priest or a pastor for, you know, spirituality or religion. And then you're going to a therapist or a psychiatrist for the mind and the emotions. And then you're going to an MD for the body. And that's fine. We, everyone has their, their expertise and their specialties, but my hopes are that each one of them's referring to the other. Let's work as right. a team. Let's integrate. No one person can do all of those things, right? I, I try to right. dabble in all three as much as I can, but <laughs> there's not mm-hmm. enough time for that right. to, you right. know, educate right. myself in that way. But hopefully we're, we're interconnecting and referring. Yes. And that's another issue that comes up is the inter-practitioner communication isn't ideal um, and isn't set up to be ideal and too many obstructions to that which is also a problem I I agree with you Um, but when you get your clients in for the first time and you sort of introduce them to your holistic approach I'm sure you have a range of responses to that Um, do you have you seen that change over time you know people perhaps a little more accepting or, or how does that work for you Yeah, it's been interesting because, you know, as I mentioned, I've been in a lot of different settings, outpatient mental health, university, military, um, substance abuse, lots of different settings. And so that makes a difference of the the population that's coming to me. Um, So now in private practice, you know, somebody can look up who am I and and what am I about and, you know, my bio. And and so naturally in that sense, I'm going to be drawing in more people that are in in alignment with that. Um, So I'm fortunate in that sense that people are walking in the door maybe specifically looking for that, but Mm. definitely not all of them. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that does mean that with, with the ones that are like, "Eh, I don't know about that. (laughs) I've got to, I've got to work with what I've got and I've got to meet them where they're at. Right. Um, That's right. Exactly. So, you know, we, that's, that's okay. You don't have to exactly see it the way I see it, or, you know, I encourage people to ask questions or, you know, challenge or explore research, um, because we'll find an avenue to get you to where you need to go your way, your pace, your time, little baby steps, one at a time. Absolutely. And you absolutely nailed it. Meet them where they're at. That's where it has to be. Uh, And I'm sure over time, a lot of those people who were open to it, have seen the real value in it you know see the real value of looking at the whole picture not just a small part of it yes yeah Yeah, and you know that that the first step in that and and probably the most important um first step in 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 therapy is gonna be that therapeutic relationship so that trust has to be built Mm -hmm. in the first Mm -hmm. place right and that relationship Mm -hmm. has to be built and it's got to be that safe place and so if we have that safe place and we have that good trusting therapeutic relationship, then most people will relax, open up and see the value in being flexible. And, and, you know, we can start to inch our way towards what's best for them. 
Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, well, I'm sure there's a range of sort of holistic practices that you, I mean, I don't endorse for everybody, but, you know, believe are very helpful to people really across the board. Um, can you give, give us some insight into the things that you like to advise people to do, recognizing that these are one part of a much bigger picture? Yeah, absolutely. You know, you mentioned the book Therapize Yourself that I put out and, and that's a little bit of um, what the book is, is, is breaking down my approach step by step, how I like to jump in what like if you were to come see me, here's what it's going to look like. These are the questions I'm going to ask. This is my um, process. Um, and it, I'm always going to look at mind, body and spirit. But that is that's really vague because how that shows up and looks like for each person is extremely different because, you know, I might have somebody that comes in and they work out five days a week, they eat great. And, you know, we, maybe we don't have to spend much time on that. And then the next person comes in and they haven't worked out in five years and they like fast food, you know, 24 seven. And so we have, we have a lot of, that's going to look very different for every single person. And that's okay. You know, we, we meet them, like we said, where they're at. Um, so yes, looking at each area, mind, body, spirit, a really thorough assessment is important to me. And I think that that um, in a lot of practices, you know, I can't know, but I think that that is skipped or overlooked a lot. Um, I want, I want to know everything, you know, uh, every little thing since the day you were born, basically, which I know on some level is impossible, but um, I'm scanning, I'm scanning what got you to who you are and why, and I'm connecting all those dots that maybe you don't even see yet. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and watching for my areas that I want to ask more questions about and dig into, and I want to scan all environments, relationships, finances, work, um, home environments, spirituality, like all of those environments, because if we can boost up each environment where we're maybe haven't been attending to, or that, you know, maybe it's, it's not going so well. So we put it off to the side and ignored it. Um, if we can start cleaning up those environments and zapping things that we're tolerating, getting rid of things that we're tolerating, then we have a stronger foundation, just a general wellness foundation, where then my next step is if we got that, that foundation built up a little bit more, um, then we can dig into, okay, what's your, what's your big issue here? What's your problem? And if somebody says it's anxiety, okay, let's, let's dig into anxiety. What's the belief system behind this? Where did it originate? And I really like, I really like EMDR therapy. Mm -hmm. um, it's changed my life. It's changed my practice, the progress mm. that I see and how, how quickly it goes. And again, there's, there's variations of, you know, it's going to, any therapeutic approach is going to look differently with how that goes for every individual. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. I really like to center around um, EMDR and go from there. Mm -hmm. Do you deal with um, plenty of patients who have trauma in their background or deep trauma in their background? I do. I wouldn't say that they're coming to me and saying that they have trauma, no, no, no. right? They're not walking <laughs> no, in the no, door no, and saying, no. I want to work on my trauma. <laughs> no, no, probably not. Right? In fact, that, in fact, that right? idea, that question was, was um, stimulated by you 
talking about what they don't want to talk about, really. And, <laughs> and whether they know it or not, that's probably what they're not talking about, right? So Yes. And then and then it's tricky, you know, because when uh -huh. you look at the big T's and the little T's, big traumas and the little yeah. traumas, you know, yeah. sometimes that's eye-opening to clients of like, oh, I've had a lot of little T's. There is, there is some trauma. You know, you got to take the word trauma with a grain of salt because it's in yep. the eye of the beholder, right? Mm -hmm. So, but there's not a single one of us that isn't walking around with one or 10 negative beliefs at any given time. We, it doesn't matter what walk we've had in life. We've mm -hmm. got one. Right. Yeah. No, no, absolutely. Yeah. And, and one of the things, I mean, your approach, I think would be really helpful in helping people with trauma. Um, one of the problems I see, and, I, and you're right, it's a big issue, you know, uh, and trauma can mean many different things across a big, big spectrum. But, you know, if we're talking about people who really have had some really traumatic experiences, uh, again, that has to be dealt with. Um, that has to be dealt with. Otherwise, it just lingers in the system, not only lingers, but then attaches that anxiety and trauma feelings to lots of other things in life and it perpetuates. So it has to be, has to be brought out. Uh, and that's a big challenge. I know you're talking about EMDR, which is a very useful tool for doing that. Um, but the, the sort of more conventional medical approach, let's medicalize it and manage the symptom just is not gonna work. Uh, right. Okay? That's yes, exactly. And, you know, um, yeah, I, I was, I was thinking of a, a client was uh, going through my mind while you were talking about this and, and very complex trauma. And, you know, she walks in and, and out front for a session says, I don't want to go there. I don't want to deal with that. Um, and, you know, I kind of had to walk her through, that's fine. That's okay right now. But if you're here and you want to get here, I have to highly encourage you to go this route at some point someday and just know we're only going to get so far. But what she has been open to in the meantime um, is learning to set some boundaries. Mm -hmm. She's been open to um, going to the functional medicine provider that I, I prefer locally here mm -hmm. and, and looking at where her body isn't functioning the best and how that could be affecting, you know, things in her life. Um, she's really, she's that she's open to that. And cause you think the body keeps the score, right? Absolutely. So, right. That trauma is in there, whether she is consciously facing it or not. And if that was the route that she was open to starting with, by all means, let's go, right. That, let's build absolutely. that foundation. Yes, good reference to Bessel van der Kolk there, The Body Keeps the Score. He's one of the experts in trauma, and that's an excellent book. Anyone's interested yes. in following that up. I learned the hard way. Um, my most challenging client was a severe dissociative disorder, previously known as multiple personalities, uh, it just ran unbelievably deep into her childhood. And it, and it was one step at a time. You know, we didn't say, oh, I, you know, oh, I see. No, I've been working with you for a year. I see you've got, you know, six alter egos. Okay, let's go. You know, it took 12 years. Yes, the layers. Um, but when it was done, she was a different person altogether and was able to actually 
lead the life she wanted, lead her life. Um, and that was a fantastic experience for me, but a lesson, really. Right. Uh, because, yeah, it's easy to say, ah, I just don't want to go there. I just want to sort of be able to be functional. But when you've got that level of trauma, it's really difficult to be functional. Yes. You know, I, I see this a lot with my clients, um, clients coming in somewhere around early 40s, late 40s, early 50s, somewhere in there and telling me out of the blue, out of nowhere, panic attacks and anxiety that they've never experienced in life. Um, and so then we start kind of, you know, a little bit of psychoeducation and, and, and talking about the saturation point. You've hit that saturation point. We can shove things down and suppress them and ignore them for quite a while, but they're not going away. It's going to bubble up. It's going to resurface and it's going to come out of the crevices in the weirdest places at the mm -hmm. strangest times. Mm -hmm. um, and so if you, if you, you know, it wasn't out of the blue though. It felt like that to you because mm. you shoved it down <laughs> yeah, for so right, long, right? right? <laughs> that we cannot suppress. We cannot avoid. It will come back bigger and stronger and harder to deal with. Yeah, no, no, absolutely. And, and of course, trauma or not i mean that's the lesson in life i think is we all have challenges right um, we all make mistakes uh, yes. we all find ourselves in tough spot the the challenge of life is making the most and best of it and using that and that's that's a lot of people find that really difficult to do they want to run away from it they want to avoid it they don't want to think about it they want to pretend it didn't happen you know and can do that very successfully. Yes, I, I find myself repeating all the time. It, it's not the problems that we face because we're all going to have problems. Right. It is what are we? It, it's our coping skills. It's our problem solving skills. And and what are we going to learn from it? Right. Yeah. And and I and I I hear myself saying that one with couples all of the time. Of you know, couples are. Oh, we're all going to have problems in our relationships and disagree and not see the eye to eye. In fact, I get worried if you tell me you don't fight, you know, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, that makes me nervous. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. That's the worst, isn't it? Oh, we haven't, we've been married 30 years. We've never had an argument. Oh geez. We really? got a problem. <laughs> yeah. So what am I about to uncover? <laughs> yes. Yeah. So it's, it's not that, you know, it's not that life is perfect and good when we don't have problems. It's just a little more smooth sailing when we know how to cope and handle the problems and learn the lesson in it. Yeah. And when we're prepared to be authentic and honest with ourselves and others yeah. and accept, you know, in my career, I worked with, you know, over a long career, I worked with a number of people who've been in prison and, and all of that. And I, I think every one of them, said um we you know denied any failing you know oh the judge screwed me over or the lawyer screwed me over or my my guy i thought he, he you know none of them said you know what i made a dumb mistake and i've got to pay for it and i got to move on and make the best of it that that is not what people typically say unless they've really been directed to do that you know yeah yeah because it, it's uncomfortable and painful to face those those parts of ourselves right that that isn't pleasant 
right? And, mm-hmm. and a lot of times we can pat ourselves on the back if we kind of surface level, like, oh yeah, I'm working on this part of myself. Mm-hmm. But if we're truly honest, there's probably, a, you know, that we're working on the tip of the iceberg and there's the whole bottom half that, you know, we're, we're hesitant, we're scared, you know, fear and, and we're, mm-hmm. we're struggling to face. And yes, when we can start getting, I don't, I don't know that it ever gets easy, but if we can understand that that's the process, we might be able to wade into it better yeah. each time. <laughs> I wouldn't say easy, but sometimes very rewarding when you're able yes. to do it. Very rewarding. Yes. rewarding. Yeah. When you know yeah. that de- the delayed gratification is coming, it's easier. Yeah, yeah I, I had an experience like that, and I'm just um, bringing out a book in April called Falling to Grace, The Art and Science of Redemption, um, which looks a little bit at my story, but uses that as an example of all the stages one goes through and really the best ways of managing them, which isn't what people do. It, it typically is denial, blame, anger, and, you know, I understand that in the beginning, but then you got to move on. You know, yeah. Life's not fair. And, and it's interesting because while I was writing it, you know, I would see uh, something in the paper where somebody's, you know, abuser was finally found guilty and sent to prison or whatever. And they would say, oh, okay, now I can move on with my life. They shouldn't have been waiting for that. You can move on with life without that. And um, for a lot of people, that never happens. They never get that sort of vindication. So you can't wait around for that to happen. That's a waste of time and money and energy. Um, but it is, it is a challenge. And it's, it's, it's one we need to understand how to embrace. Because that's what life really is. Yes, that we can, we cannot control anything in this life, but ourselves. And even that's a struggle a lot of times, you know, and I, and I have so many clients that it it doesn't matter what it necessarily is, but what I, you know, see a lot is struggling to let go of relationships and they need to understand and they need closure and they need this. No, you don't. No, you don't. You're the, you can give that to yourself, forgive yourself, forgive them heal from the inside out, you know, and it, it can be hard, but that that's oftentimes when we're, when we're in the lot, we're trying to be in the logical and, and we're over, we're over analyzing oh, and yeah. right. And you're never going to get those answers because you're not in that person's head. Right. right. So oh, making right. a choice to making a choice to choose what thoughts and what perspective you're going to take and, and forgive yourself and give yourself love and compassion and grace then we can mm. let go and move forward. But it is it is a process. Yes, and it's interesting, again, doing this book. Um, you know, I, I came across, of course, Brene Brown's work. Are you familiar with Brene Brown, who isn't? You've done right. a great writer <laughs> who's done a lot on shame and humility and, and, and humiliation. Um, and, and this whole concept that actually what we, isn't so much self-esteem, but self-compassion right? If you go down the self-esteem, that might be dependent on external things and it might collapse if things aren't going well, right? Um, Self-compassion, on the other hand, is giving yourself a break, not letting yourself off the hook, but as part of authentically facing up to your problem, 
saying, okay, I'm a human, human beings are stupid and do dumb things. And that's what I've done. Okay. I'm not going to beat myself up over it. What I'm going to do is try and make the best of it. How do I do that? Right. And, and I think that's an interesting distinction between self-esteem and self-compassion um, because you know, in this country, there is this sort of macho image that to be successful, you got to be a, you know, a hard ass and you got to be <laughs> uncompromising and a bit of a narcissist. And mm-hmm. I don't think that's a very helpful message. And actually, I'm not sure it's accurate. <laughs> right. And yes, I have found myself because many clients will come in and say, I've got to work on self-esteem. And I think my language is I would be, I would, I would turn to, you mean self-love? You know, because, yeah, right. you know, right. what do you mean by self-esteem? But yes, self-compassion, self-love. Absolutely. And it, it's, you know, you bring that up in a, a, another client, you know, that I'm working with just pops straight into my, my mind because that is going to be that self-compassion is going to be also at the core of every problem that we have. And the reason that that client popped into my mind, because this was one that's working on trying to lose weight and and gain um, in her mind control over herself. And the light bulbs have started to click uh, for her of where, oh, wow, if I just give myself a break and I'm kind to myself and I have some flexibility I can bounce back instead of like spiraling into, you know, right. Deeper, deeper down. And so she's really clicked for her now of like, gosh, I was so mean to myself for so long. (laughs) Right. And yeah, it is just like that aha moment of like, I maybe, maybe I'm better off liking myself and being nice to myself. (laughs) No, I think that, I think that's absolutely true. And I'm sure that your work focuses on that quite a bit. Uh, actually, early in my early in my career, I had um, an experience of this. I was working as a psychologist in a hospital in the UK, and um, you know we had our Monday morning meetings. Who'd been admitted over the weekend? And actually, a fairly well-known person in the self-help field had been admitted with quite serious depression, and I was designated to be his therapist. And this guy was a lovely guy, and he his problem was here he was in his forties or whatever. His life had been smooth sailing; mm-hmm. he'd never had a setback of any meaningful sense. And so now there were two things, two things that were the problem. One is he had no idea how to deal with what he was doing, but secondly, self-esteem versus self-compassion. He was beating himself up so badly over it that was that was getting him depressed it was unbelievable that you know somebody in the space uh would be doing that but it isn't actually unbelievable certainly not back then you know we're going back mm-hmm. 40 years 30 years um but you know it's i've understood what was going on through this self-esteem or self-compassion in that case self-esteem eh, actually didn't help him mm-hmm Right. Because like you mentioned, external factors and when everything is, is fluid and constantly changing and, and we're anchoring on to something external, uh, it's only a matter of time before that that's going to crash. <laughs> yeah, no, no, absolutely. And so, yeah, just fascinating lesson, you know, out of my own experience. Yeah. I had a, let me change the 
topic just a tad. Sure. A, a couple of months ago, I had on my show Dr. John Leaf, and I'm not sure whether you're familiar with him. And he and he's not a relation chef no. to you. Relation <laughs> no. to you. He spells his name L I E F F. Um, so um, I don't know whether you heard of him, but he wrote a book. Has written a book called the secret language of cells. Ah. And the reason that I mention this is that book and what he has able to demonstrate from his reading of literature and research, what he'd been doing, he'd been writing that weekly blog blogs for the last four years on latest research and then kind of put it all together. What he describes in terms of the cellular organization and communication going on inside us is mind-boggling. You know, even for somebody like me who's really been involved somewhat in that field and all of that, I was just astounded by the complexity, by how all the cells communicate, how it isn't just the neurons telling you what to do. They are fed information from cells all over the body. I mean, it, it, it's just, and, and the level of communication that goes on is, is unbelievable. And when you hear that, you say, oh, okay, now I understand mind body because that's where it is, right? Yes. And, and that's even, you know, I, I can't even pretend to know all about that or the science. It, it feels like when you start digging into it, I feel like I'm just opening this like big black hole of mm -hmm. the, like, I'll never have enough time to research all these fascinating things, but you know, uh, it's led me into, like I said, functional medicine and letting, letting the body tell you what you need, um, organic supplements or, you know, plant-based things. What are you missing and where are there, where are you not healed and healthy? And then, you know, also down, I'm in the middle of this course, um, as a certified integrative medicine, mental health provider. So looking at herbs and looking at, you know, nutrition and how all of these affect our mood and our mind. Um, and, and then it's also fascinating generationally, the things that are passed down that we have maybe no idea even about, you know, they have studies on, on, on the children and the grandchildren of Holocaust survivors and, and how DNA is altered. And it, it's, it is, it's just mind blowing. And so, you know, with that, none of us are ever going to be perfect and, and perfectly healthy at any one given point. But if we can try to help our body function its best in any way possible on a regular routine basis, we're going to help our mood. We're going to help our decision-making and, you know, then there's that domino effect. So, cause we've already, we're already up against a lot of things. Maybe there's toxins in the environment, you know, where we live, what we're eating, what we're eating toxins that we're not even aware of. If we can't, you know, consistently get organic, organic is expensive, you know, just on and on and on. So trying trying our best and doing the little baby steps every single day in, in whatever way we can. Yeah, no, absolutely. And when you when you really try to, as you rightly say, it's sort of a massive, massive topic. But when you even start to scratch the surface, you realize that that consciousness is just a part. And 
probably nowhere near as big a part as people think it is. You know, right. people think, oh, I'm conscious. I drive, I make all the decisions. I drive everything, what have you. Uh, no, no, actually you don't. There's millions of decisions going on. You're not in your body. You're not even aware of. You don't right. even know they're happening, right? Uh, and, and, and so I think, again, that holistic approach is really important. Otherwise, you do tend to, I think, overvalue the conscious parts of your life. Yes. Right. Yeah, I, I, I laugh at myself for my own experience, you know, with realizing how, how driven by the subconscious and other parts of ourselves that, you know, I'm unaware of. And I, I kind of start, I start out with that in my book, because here's, here's the mental health, you know, provider doing having EMDR done on me for the first time and having stuff bubble up that where I was like, Oh, I thought I had worked on that. I thought I had healed that. No, I had to shove that down, you know, and, and I've, and I've got the education and I think I'm self exploring, but that, you know, that suppressing and that denial is powerful. And just because it hadn't crossed my mind in years does not mean I healed from it. And that was a rude awakening <laughs> for me, but also, you know, fascinating. Um, and, and also the, the piece of like, the funny part was like, you know, kind of like, looking at my dating, you know, experiences and history and, and saying, oh, I keep doing the same thing or getting in the same types of relationships. And I'm the common denominator here. So, okay, I'm going to work on myself and I should probably stop doing that. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to be healthy and I'm going to pick healthy just to think the next step is I, I, I'm in another relationship and I'm telling myself it's healthy six months down the road. It's just like all the others, right? Because I, I'm driven by that subconscious belief system. Um, you know, at that time was something like I'm not good enough or I'm too much, something like that. And as long as I'm driven by that, I'm going to walk into familiar. I'm going to walk into comfortable, even mm -hmm. if it's unhealthy. Yeah. 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 And so when we talk about relationships, so many, that is such a dynamic is, you know, when do you meet this person at what time of your life what state is your mind body spirit when you meet them mm -hmm. because they might, might you, your attraction to them might be they are pretty good at helping you manage your needs in that particular situation but if that particular situation changes will the relationship change and the answer very right. often is yes it is <laughs> yes and I, and that i think that's kind of where my tagline of choose to heal and find your truth well well what does that even mean you know i want to empower everybody to be working on looking at themselves and healing and not avoiding and not suppressing but to find your truth i'm i'm talking about you know unlearning a lot unlearning a lot and, and beginning to learn and walking yourself back to yourself, finding, you know, who am I aside from, you know, what I've been taught or what I've been told um, and who am I instead of trying to fit in and trying to, you know, like you said, you know, status or whatever in our society and, and just finding what, what works for me and stopping to compare, find your truth, find who you are, 
that's intuitive. We have, we all have our own answers. You're always your own self, your self healer. No, no, no therapist, no doctor, no coach. Nobody can do it for you. They're your guide. They can, they can help you find yourself, but you're the one that you're the one that has your answers. Yes, no, absolutely. And that's exactly right. And that's uh, important to have the right guide. <laughs> like yes. Somebody like you, who <laughs> is, you know, you know, taking a complete look at somebody and looking at all the important variables, not just one or two of them, realizing that it's a process and there's, you know, things happen in different sequences, but you have to have that approach. And um, I suspect as we move forward, it might be the case that, you know, maybe in 10, 15, 20 years from now, people will mock or laugh the fact that we try to solve people's problems by sort of talking to them rationally, like, oh, that's a stupid idea. Just give it up. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> that's so true right uh no that's not gonna work um yeah telling ain't training and um it's not changing telling ain't changing either and telling very often isn't motivating so yes yeah right yep so. i just had a client this morning and she's like i'm logically aware that i'm coming in here and i want you to tell me what to do and i want you to fix it and i want you to fix it now she's like i'm aware that that's not how it works. But she's like, I feel stuck. And that's what I want you to do. <laughs> and, you know, we had to process through that. And mm -hmm. we're talking about preparing and getting ready to get into her body, integrate and connect her to her body. Um, you know, she's very much in the empath and narcissist abuse cycle. And we've got to step out of the content and get into get her back into her body and start working that direction. And luckily she's open and she's flexible. Um, but that's difficult. That's a difficult cycle. Yeah. Well, at least she came in with a sort of rec half a recognition that that's what she was yes. wanting and doing. So that's a good start. It is a start. <laughs> you know, I'm sure you've had people who've been in six months before they got to that point. Right. Yes. Um, so yeah. <laughs> Listen to this one. I had a, a, a client of mine and we were doing a book together. He and his wife had been married 18 years and they'd been in couples counseling for 19 years. All right. Right. Really good. I, you know, I would think that if you have to be in couple counseling 19 years, it's probably a sign that something's not right. Um, but anyway, or that you're not able to get from counseling what you want. Um, right. <laughs> <laughs> tell us tell us about your book. I presume it reflects your process, right? Yes, it, it really is, you know, in, in a way I've, I've already in this conversation pretty much laid out everything that is in it. It's, it's mapping out my step-by-step -step approach. Here's where it's kind of like, I look at it as that bridge between somebody that's okay. I'll delve into self-help, but I'm not ready to reach out to a professional. Maybe this will you know, that be that stepping stone. This is what it looks like because it is scary to ask for help. And it is scary to trust somebody with all your deepest, darkest stuff. And it's just scary, uncomfortable to face that stuff. And so um, kind of that stepping stone of here's, here's what it's going to look like. Here's the kind of things, here's the process. This is the things I want to know. This is what we're going to talk about. Um, and then there's 
there's exercises along the way so they can start, you know, gaining some insight, scanning their environments, um, maybe doing some of that outside work beforehand. And I also see it as kind of a a good review and a reminder as well, because it's not like we scan an environment, clean it up, and then we can say, well, I conquered that one, you know, I don't have to worry about that for the rest of my life. You know, we never hit a point where we are smooth sailing and we're good to go for the rest of our life. This is a constant juggling act. And so you know, there might be a client that is working on one area of their life for quite a while. Um, and then and, and then they can jump back into this book and go through that process of kind of doing their own little mini assessment again. Where am I at? Where, where, where am I at in each area? And then, you know, work on the next thing and chip away one at a time and yep. um, go, go that route. I think the exercises. Uh, there's something about putting pen to paper, it, it, you know, as opposed to just passively reading along, you know, taking that pause to yeah, really sure. think about it instead of just letting it glaze over. So yeah. um, that's and then, the, you know, little tidbits of um, my own experiences or, you know, clients like we've talked about today. And um, that's that's what what it's about. <laughs> yeah, okay, So that's therapize yourself right? yourself yeah and it's available on amazon and yeah other bookstores. yeah mm-hmm. great excellent and where can people reach you if they want to reach out to you sure um the two places that i am on the most uh my website carryleaf.com um I try to I try to keep up with my Instagram at Carrie Leaf Coaching. I have an aversion to social media, though. I just you know putting that out there. Good for you. <laughs> you know, so a little there's um, there's a lot of confliction with that, but those two places. Okay, yeah. Well, that's great. Well, thank you so much. We could go on. Perhaps we'll we'll get together again uh, in the not too distant future and, and talk more. But it's been great. Really appreciate your time. And I really appreciate your service of what you are trying to do with people, because I do believe this is the way to go and to really help people and get away from symptomatic temporary relief to really addressing the issues that we have. So good job, Carrie. Thank you. And right back at you. It's, it's so nice to hear like-minded and, and, you know, one voice at a time and shifting the shifting the process okay well that's great keep up the good work thank you you too